0: You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, sports fans. Welcome back to the show. Really excited to be with you again today. You may have noticed that we're publishing quite a bit here. We've got two episodes coming out every week tons and tons of really interesting conversations coming up for you with really interesting people who have really interesting things to say. So I'm very excited to share all of that with you coming up here on Forecast. And today is no exception. Today, we're talking to Landon Porter, who is a phenomenal sales coach, advisor, and mentor with a really interesting, practical, useful perspective, which is the following. You're going to do the best work for clients who are most like you when you find clients who are like you who share certain values with you share certain principles with you you end up doing your best work with them so why not showcase those values and those principles and that worldview in your marketing so you end up attracting the right clients and repelling the ones who don't share those values and don't share those principles that's Landon Porter's very simple and compelling proposition for you in this episode. And If you're not convinced, Landon is going to convince you. So show notes to this episode are going to be at forecast.fm slash Landon. That's forecast.fm slash L-A-N-D-O-N. Now, before we let you go, got something really special for you. A couple of months ago, we started doing this thing called the 15-minute brainstorm call. And here's where it came from. There's a lot of people listening to this show, a lot of people who follow me on LinkedIn and on Facebook and are on my email list. And I can't possibly talk to all of you in a meaningful way. And that's kind of been frustrating because I want to talk to you, I want to help you. And so, you know, we asked ourselves here on the team, we said, well, how do we get in front of these people, get into a conversation with them and give them some meaningful advice and give them something useful? in a really practical and focused way. And we came up with this idea of the 15 minute brainstorm call, where essentially you and I get on the phone for 15 minutes and we dig into the number one business problem, the number one challenge that you're facing right now in your business, in your marketing, in your sales, whatever it is, and like a sprint, we sprint through that business problem and we brainstorm some ideas together in 15 minutes. It's a lot of fun. You'll come up with a ton of ideas on how to grow your business, how to overcome whatever that big business problem is that you're facing, and you'll get a ton of value. And I certainly enjoy these conversations considerably. Now, I can only do so many of these, so we we block some time on a, on a weekly basis for these calls. Once it's full, it's full. But if you want to grab a slot, you can do that at forecast.fm slash brainstorm. That's forecast.fm slash brainstorm. And I want to share with you a really quick clip here from somebody I recently had one of these calls with. Her name is Erica Ballard. Here's Erica.
1: So I just did a brainstorming session with Ahmed and it was so helpful. I came in not really knowing how best to prioritize and reach out to folks on LinkedIn and within literally... 15 minutes. He gave me the strategy and also gave me the confidence in order to execute. It was super clear what needed to happen, super clear the direction I was going. And it was super clear that he was out to help me do that. And in that just short period of time, I was able to gain the tools that I needed to move my business forward in a really big way because the volume was my biggest struggle. And now (laughs) I know it won't be. Just that short session alone, which still kind of blows my mind, but thanks, man. So appreciate it.
0: So there you have it. If you want to have one of these 15 minute brainstorm calls with me where we can get laser focused on the number one business problem that you're facing right now and solve it right there on that call, go to forecast.fm slash brainstorm and let's do it. With that, here is my good friend Landon Porter. Mr. Landon Porter, welcome to Forecast, my friend. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start here. Why don't you tell people who you are, where you came from, tell us your story a little bit, and then we'll go from
1: there. Sure. So it was late October, 1977. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I'm uh, married, two kids, own my own business, teach people um, something very similar to you. I've got... um, Close to 18 years experience in sales, and the story on how that kind of came to be is interesting. My kids were little. I'm actually a chef by trade, and nights, weekends, and holidays didn't work for having a family with little kids. So I ended up in sales um, back in the early 2000s. I was in real estate mortgage and real estate and selling homes and all of that for about four and a half, five years. And I saw the crash coming and I thought, oh, this isn't going to be good. So I got out of that and I went to work for a company that sells everything, credit and asset protection for big business globally. I spent a little over a decade in that industry selling basically to the Fortune 5000 and the last couple of years focusing on the Fortune 100. Um, Kind of my deal is About halfway through my sales career, I was standing in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror one day and recognized that I hated everything about my life and I wasn't happy with me and I didn't like, you know, like nothing in my life was good except for my relationship with my wife and my kids. And it took me a couple of months, but it occurred to me that I was so good at bringing clients on that I brought on a bunch of people as clients. And in that industry, selling credit insurance and credit info and and all of that, the money wasn't on selling them a thing. The money was in managing them long term. So I had this giant book of clients, most of whom I didn't really like and I really didn't like working for. So I changed the way I went about prospecting and allowing clients to come into my world. And it drastically changed everything about my life. Um, Fast forward about another six, seven years, I decided, okay, I'm done. My wife and I were going to go do something else. We started in the parenting niche because we had kids that were little kids that had gone through the preteen stage and getting ready to become teenagers. And we didn't have the typical issues with preteens that a lot of our friends did. On top of that, the internet, right? And parents don't know how to keep their kids safe on the internet. So we spent about a year and a half doing that. And uh, I actually, I bought a Facebook ads course and I was mingling with the other students in that group, in that world, trying to figure out how to run Facebook ads and building relationships. And uh, early 2017, five people in three days were like, dude, you need to teach this. This being... They were giving me information and helping me on ads. And so I was reciprocating because I build relationships, figured out they all needed to know how to either turn trial clients into paying clients or how to get better paying clients. So five people in three days were like, dude, you need to teach this. And I was like, dude, no, I don't. I've done. I, I, I put in my dues. I'm done with that. One of those people created a Facebook group, added about 100 people to it. I did a Facebook Live, and this thing just took off on its own. So I'm affectionately known as the sales gorilla on the internet, and I teach people how to get clients. So that's, in a nutshell, my story. So going back to your days as the salesperson, Mm
0: -hmm. when you were terribly unhappy, in your words, and you said you made this switch, and... You stayed in the business for about six, seven years. What was that switch? What changed to make things work for you in that business?
1: I recognize that my skill set to acquire clients was so solid that if they got on the phone and they stayed on the phone, they ended up becoming a client. And there's a lot of people in the sales world that get that good and they can essentially become chameleon. Where it doesn't matter who's on the other end of the phone, you can relate, you can build no like and trust, you can pace and model and all of the stuff that it takes to connect with another human being and turn them into a client. Well, what happened was that's like the the dating phase in sales, right? You you acquire a client. Oh yeah, this is awesome. We're going to go out on a date. And then you've got the honeymoon phase, typically in sales it's several weeks, maybe a couple of months. And then after that, all the cracks start to show, right? It's like when you date somebody in your early twenties and and you move in together and everything's amazing. And then pretty soon it's like, they do that and they do this and they do that and they do this and I can't take it. Um, That's what I kind of figured out. But because it was so gradual, that by the time I had a large enough book of clients where I wasn't really bringing on a whole lot of clients, I, I recognized that, man, I'm just unhappy. There's always nonsense. There's always issues. People do this and people do that. They say this and they don't follow through and it was just miserable and at about the same time, my kids were going from that little kid phase to the preteen phase. And for those of you in the audience that have kids, there's this weird mental shift in the relationship changes. When your little kids turn into preteens, they start thinking for themselves. So I had that, I actually, I had a, an out loud conversation with myself. It was a Wednesday morning, 4.30 a.m. I've got to drive an hour across town to go to the office. And I had a full on conversation with myself. And over the next couple of months, it occurred to me that my, my issue, my deal was I just didn't like most of the people that I had to deal with day in and day out. And so I began to change that. I looked at, okay, cool. I'm really good at bringing on any client that stays on the phone and half of them, if not more turn out to be people I don't really want to deal with. So what do I need to change? First thing I did, I went in and I gutted my sales book. I gave a lot of my clients to other people that I worked with in the company. And I went out and and started searching for different kinds of clients. I came up with this idea that eventually turned into ICA, Ideal Client Avatar. And basically it was, um, I had watched a a Frank Kern video and he was talking about his ideal customer, right? And I was like, oh man, I could totally pick that. This is, uh, side note, this is one of the reasons it's really cool that you and I can like work together because there are people that relate with me And there are people that relate with you. And I was like, Oh my God, this is perfect. I can choose who it is that I want to work with if I have an idea or a sense of who they might be beforehand. And I started doing that. And it it totally changed the sectors of the industries that I was working in because the kind of people that I relate with are, they like the outdoors, they like rock and roll, they like muscle cars, right? All the things that I would naturally relate to and, eventually got to, ah. Uh, if I think I could be a friend with this person in the real life outside of business, we're probably almost certainly going to be really good for each other in business. So I changed the way I sought clients based on that framework. Okay. So that's, that's super interesting. And is that,
0: is that still kind of the, the philosophy that you have in business? Is it the clients that you work
1: with are those you typically be friends with? It is. And, um, doing this thing now, doing the social media thing, it's really all about just be who you are and share your actual personality and let the world what you let the world know what you like and what you don't like through just the way you speak, the things that you post, and the people that don't relate with that naturally kind of weed themselves out and the people that dig it tend to stick around. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, well, hey, Landon, that
0: sounds fantastic, but you know, I'm really into like, you know, very obscure niche things. And I think my personality is pretty quirky. And I don't know if there's enough people out there who are like me that
1: I'd want to be friends with and therefore would work with me. What would you say? I would say that you're shortchanging yourself. There is an audience for everybody. And here's, here's kind of how I break it down. We we dig in this for a second. Learning how to sell something is learning how to manufacture relatability. That's how we build no like and trust, right? There's a couple of core ingredients that people have to have to become your client. They have to want and need the thing that you sell. They have to be able to buy it, right? They've got to be able to afford it and hopefully they've got to be able to start now. Well, that's all like set in stone. If those ingredients aren't there, it doesn't matter how best friends we can be. Mm. But if those ingredients are there, the easiest way to, build natural relatability is to be yourself and identify like there's there's things that we don't tolerate right there's certain things global view and worldview that we don't like Mm. in other people and if you allow people with those worldviews or global views in your world as clients that you don't like you're going to have problems and that was kind of my whole deal I didn't want to deal with the headache of right um, if you say you're going to do this do it right if we schedule a meeting show up right? Those are like core value things that I have. The easiest way to kind of figure those things out is to identify what we actually relate on outside of business. If you think that you're super quirky, guess what? Your best clients are going to share 70 or 80% of that weirdness. That's really interesting. I want to dig into this a little bit deeper because I want to know,
0: should we be, are you looking for people who are aligned with you principles, values, and the like, as far as it relates to business, or are we, we're going into personal things here as well?
1: It's both, right? Um, Here's, here's an example. When I worked for that company, um, I was one of the, that the company that I worked for had thousands and thousands and thousands of employees around the world. And I was one of the people in the States that was basically, they cultivated me to hunt whales. That's what I did. And they turned me loose and sent me after Monsanto. And I'm a little bit of a tree hugger, right? (laughs) I eat organic food. I drink spring water. um, I smoke pipe tobacco, but basically everything else is chemical free. And I think it's our duty to take care of this planet that we live on. And that was just like fire and ice. Monsanto as a company, fantastic. Go do what you're going to do, but their core values and what they're willing to do to the planet and human beings I don't share those values. Well, here's another value that I don't share with a lot of people that are in business. I just want to know how to close somebody as fast and as hard as I can. And my take on it is I don't want clients that are weak minded that need to be told what to do or talked into a thing. Hmm. So in speaking to my marketplace, it's those kinds of things that I talk about. I like this and I don't like that. If somebody wants to just know how to go hard close anybody that they can, fantastic. There's a bunch of people in the space that teach how to do that. I don't think that's correct. I don't think it's right. That's a core value of mine that when people hear me say that, and there's people out there that that's their deal. Fantastic. They go away as soon as they hear it. That way I don't have to deal with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a small example of this would be, I had had somebody
0: recently, we had an onboarding call. They were going to join my program and they didn't show up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was, that never happened. I was a little bit taken aback, right? This is somebody who wants to, to jump in. they make their first payment on that call. They didn't show up. They ghosted and didn't respond to messages. And in my mind, I'm thinking immediately disqualified. Yep. Immediately disqualified. Like there's very little, this, like unless it was like a serious emergency, mm-hmm. there's very little this person can, can come back to me with and say, hey, I'm sorry I missed the meeting. Can we reschedule? But I would agree to. Right. Because core values, right? Like if you're the kind of person that doesn't show up for meetings, doesn't take my time seriously, I'm not taking you seriously either. Exactly. Right? Now, good news. Is, well, not good news. Bad news is it wasn't actually an emergency. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and so we're, no, we're, we're reconciling. But yeah, no, I totally get that because in the end, you're going to have to work with this person. Mm-hmm. The sale is, I always tell my clients, the sale sets the context for the relationship. How you sell is how you'll serve
1: you know, you've got to set boundaries and manage expectations. And here's kind of the, let's, let's actually make this a, a tactic or a tactical thing to understand why pick your clients based on your values. Setting boundaries and managing expectations is how you maintain solid relationships. And by choosing who it is that you want to work with from a value standpoint is setting boundaries. And then having a sales conversation and turning somebody into a client is validating that everybody's on the same page with those boundaries. And then you can manage those expectations. That whole Mm -hmm. thing with not showing up, look, it's either they totally don't respect me or it's actually an emergency because any other adult human being would send a message beforehand. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right? Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately that happens, but I'm, I do it the same way. Totally, okay, awesome. Let's define a few
0: terms here as we jump into the topic here, Landon. Uh, relationship marketing, social selling, these are some terms that you use to define your approach, I know, and they mean different things to different people. So can we talk a little bit about what is relationship marketing, what is social selling, In your sense of the words?
1: Sure, my take is relationship marketing is just that. Like, I'm I'm a somewhat of an emotional person. It's one of the things that makes me a really good salesperson empathy is really easy and I listen. So with that in mind, if I just speak my truth, right, not to get woo, woo but like, just let it out. This is who I am. I asked you before we started recording, what's the language like on your show, right? That's one of the things that I use to vet people into my world is my language. And I'm, I'm pretty loose with it. Um, that, is establishing a basis for relationships while I'm marketing, meaning what it is that I put out on the internet, whether it's my podcast or what I put on social media, right? when I'm interviewed, right, it's my language and my tone and those kinds of things establishes the basis of a relationship. We're all marketing. If you show up in the world in any way, shape or form, whether it's cold calling, door knocking, posting on social media, creating videos or doing interviews, you're marketing relationship marketing to me is is just be your weird self, right? Because the people that relate come through and the people that don't, don't. Relationship and social selling are a little bit different. Social selling is is when we connect, like you and I, we connected through another group that we're both involved in and we were both like, hey, that guy seems like he's interesting. That's the relationship marketing with just a few words that were said, right? We connected and then we had a brief conversation. We're both like, yeah, we totally want to do that. Let's do that. We sold each other on, hey, let's do something together. That's social selling. So where this all came from, the industries that I were in, I was in, when I started in, um, it's really interesting. When I started in real estate, I was, call, I was cold calling homeowners between 4 and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Cold calling, like from a phone book. That's <laughs> what I did for like six months to kind of get my feet underneath me. So my whole sales career was based on cold calling. And when I went into the credit thing, it was all cold calling. Well, if we look back over the last 50 to 60 years in sales, we've got TV, radio, fax, phone, then email. And we're all tired of being sold to. And because now we're so much more connected and we've got so much access to so many more people, it's really easy to see people that do selling the wrong way. Cause we're all selling something, whether there's a, you know, you've got to write a check for the thing they've got or not. They want your time. They want your attention. They want to go out to eat at a specific place. Every sales, every conversation is a sales conversation. Social selling and relationship selling is because our culture has changed through the technology the last 10 to 15 years. And thus sales needs to be done different because we're all tired of being hit on the wrong way, so to speak. Yeah,
0: that's weird. I found the clip I'm grabbing and putting on social, right? Because that's the thing everybody needs to hear. I just got off a call with somebody who was like, yeah, nobody's responding to my cold outreach. Huh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Well, I wonder why, right? And it's not enough to sustain the business. Well, why should they work with you? What is it about you that's unique and distinct? What is it about you that's compelling to them? Even if there is something with cold outreach, they're never going to know, right? But with marketing, the bigger opportunity here that you're speaking to is with marketing is that when you proliferate and you evangelize certain values and perspectives that are of concern and of interest to your ideal client, and you get that in front of them before they need you, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that people miss, right? Before they need you, the vast majority of my clients, and I'm sure yours as well, they found you before they were in a buying position necessarily. Yep. And it's through the experience of interacting with your marketing and following you that they found themselves in a buying
1: position and they reached out. Is that not how it works? Yeah, that's the, um, really that's the only piece of it that the majority of people need to understand. Something that goes along with this, there's a lot of people that listen to your show that probably don't have any interest in becoming quote unquote, internet famous in their specific market. What we're talking about is not necessarily, you've got to go build an audience of thousands and thousands of people and do lots and lots and lots of marketing. Marketing and sales are two sides of the same coin. And it's, um, in the sales world, we, we call it ABC, always be closing. It's actually, it's not that anymore. It's changed. It's always be connecting. And that, this, our conversation right now, we're marketing. We're continuing to identify if we're good fits in different areas, right? It's all marketing. Yeah.
0: So let's let's make this really concrete for people, Landon. I want you to describe to us, you know, from the perspective of the buyer, because I think this idea that there's been a shift in the marketplace and the way people buy and interact with service providers and, and buying things We all know that, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we look at our own buying patterns, you know, the way that we buy books has changed. The way we buy music has changed. Pretty much everything that we buy, I need to buy a flight today. The way I'm going to buy that flight is very different from 10 years ago when I would call a travel agent. They're still around, I think, but I'm not calling them at least, right? Mm -hmm. So... If you could shed some light on, you know, what does that look like now from a services perspective? I'm selling services, I'm a consultant, I'm a coach, I'm some kind of service provider. How are
1: my buyers making these decisions? What are the what are the signs they're looking for? Yep. Well, first to to put a point on what you just said, if we want something, we go do what? We go google it. We go search for it. We go identify solutions that are possible matches and then we vet them against each other to find one that fits the best. People come knock on my door, it happened yesterday, right? If I'm looking to buy that thing, I will go buy that thing. You don't need to bring it to my door anymore. Mm. So now with that idea, think about your marketplace and this is for anybody out there, it doesn't matter if you paint houses or you sell marketing as a service or copywriting or building websites or whatever. For round numbers sake, to keep this easy, think of your market as 100,000 people. Any one of those 100,000 people could be your lead, right? Well, if you really go talk to all 100,000 of those people, some of them are going to be excellent fits, some of them are going to be okay fits, and the vast majority are not going to be a fit at all. And how we identify that is the relationship marketing that I was talking about. By expressing your values to your marketplace and To do that, you've got to identify what your values are, and then you say, oh, cool, people with these values look like that. Out of those 100,000 people in the marketplace, they're all standing out in a rainstorm, and you sell umbrellas, but you sell great big giant umbrellas. And so by identifying your values, basically what you do is you say, okay, cool, they need to have yellow rain boots. Well, out of 100,000 people in a rainstorm, about 1,000 people have yellow rain boots cool. They also need to have red rain jackets. Okay, cool. Well, now people that have both of those, there's 500 of, I want them to have blue scarves. Now we're down to hundred people. Mm-hmm. Ah. I want them to have green gloves. Now we're down to 50 people. Well, out of those 50 people that are in a rainstorm with all the right gear that makes them a fit for you, about 10 of them are over six feet tall and you sell giant umbrellas. So now those are your perfect clients, right? It all comes through this idea of picking and choosing before we go out and try to connect with people. You picked your mate, right? You picked your best friends. You choose which people in your family you hang out with and which you don't spend any time with. It's the same thing for clients.
0: It's interesting. I was on a podcast interview last week I was a guest on a show called The Visible Expert by by Hinge Marketing and they asked me and they they interview visible experts and they try to get the story behind their journey to visible expertise and they asked me this question around what's the number one thing that you've learned on this journey going from you know obscurity to by no means you know stardom but somewhere in between right and i said honestly probably the the biggest thing that i've learned is what i stand for <laughs> like who, who I am, my most authentic self, because in the beginning, if I'm being honest, you know, I don't know that I stood for much. I had some skills, I had some expertise that were valuable to people, but didn't really know what I stood for. But it was through the process of marketing that I found by necessity, because of the reasons that you're talking about, I had to get really clear on that because, well, if you're not clear on that, you're not going to attract very many people. Mm-hmm. And the clearer that I got on what I stand for, what my perspective is on the market, what my, what my point of view is on the problems that my clients are facing, the more I began to attract the kind of clients that I wanted to work with and repel the people that I didn't want to work with. And so I'm with you 100%. You've got to be clear on what you stand for, what your values are, before you can begin to attract other people who share the same values. My question to you is, how do you do that?
1: <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's this really weird thing that is difficult for most people. It's self-awareness. And it's, it comes down to this, giving yourself permission to be yourself, right? Authentic gets thrown around a lot. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around that word, whether you're being real or fake version of yourself, you're authentically being who you are in that moment. It's not just that it is. It is really understanding who it is that you want to spend your time with as far as the client thing. And to do that you've got to identify what it is that you like and you've got to be willing to express that. Now here's the next thing people like get stuck on. Well, if I do that, there won't be that many people in my marketplace and and I'm not I'm not sure that turning clients away is okay. The truth is, the better you get at saying no in a nice polite but firm way, the more money you're going to make so much faster with that, you got to understand that there are people on this planet that just don't like you and you should be grateful and thankful and appreciate that because guess what? There's people on this planet you don't like. And the sooner we can get real with, Hey, that guy's not for me or Hey, I'm not for that person and be okay with it. The easier it is to do business and the easier it is to spot people whether you're cold calling or you're attracting people through your funnel. It's all clarity and specifics. The reason Facebook ads killed it the last five years is because the targeting got hyper specific. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Getting hyper specific on what you're about, how you are, how you operate, how you do things, and who it is that you want to do things with, right? I'm, I'm all good with the surfer community. They don't live by clocks, they don't follow a time frame. They, they don't follow through on things because the waves are good today. They're amazing people, I have no interest in doing business with them. On the other end of the spectrum, people that are super hyper-focused to the ex- exclusion of everything else, that wanna stand over my shoulder and micromanage everything I do, I have no interest in working with those people. All we've got to do is define it and get clear on on who it is that we would best serve based on if I got to choose out of these 10 people, right? Who is it why I want to work with? I want to work with that person, that person, that person. That leaves seven people that I don't really want to work with. Be okay with that. That's how you do it. Let me ask you this. Is that
0: a process of making a decision on paper or is that a process of, going out into the market and doing work and working with the clients and discovering for yourself what you
1: like and what you don't like. Yep. And it's actually, you did it in the correct order. You can't do it without doing both. And we're all grown up. And if we can be honest with ourselves and put it down on paper, that's a guesstimate. That's a, that's a, um, a very one-sided view of what those people could look like. Now you've got to go out in the marketplace and validate that. My experience through teaching my clients this takes generally a half a dozen to a dozen conversations to identify one ideal client avatar, right? So if if I pick Jeff and he's 45 to 50, he runs a $5 million a year business. He lives in Canada. He's got 15 to 20 employees any given time of the year. He can work with anybody in North America and this is his segment. This is his vertical and he's looking to fill in the blank, Cool. Well, that's what he looks like. What's he like? He likes the outdoors. He's got a cabin. He likes rock and roll. He likes to ski, jump out of airplanes. Well, it's all of those things that in a conversation come out when we're just being people and talking with each other, right? It's going to take six to a dozen conversations with people I think look like him for me to fill in the rest of the blanks and maybe shave some of the round edges or the rough edges off of that. Cool. Now, I'm going to pick Mary. Mary's 35 to 42. She's a single stay at home mom with two kids. She runs her own home based business. She does marketing and she's actually got a bunch of experience doing it. She's a solo business person. She makes between 200 and 300 grand a year. She works with these kinds of clients in the corporate world. Cool. That's what she looks like. How do her and I get along? We both grow a front yard. That's a garden, no grass. We both dig organic food. We both do the festivals that like music. Those are the kinds of things that are going to stick out that are going to tell me, ah, this is what this person's like. Well, it's going to take six to a dozen conversations with people that I think look like Mary for me to go, yep, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Now they're really easy to spot in the marketplace because they've got yellow boots, red coat, green gloves, blue scarf and they need an umbrella and they need this size umbrella. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I think like, if I could just add to that, I I think that that looks a little bit different in a, in a B2B context. I mean, the principles apply, but I'll give you an example from a conversation I had earlier today where I was talking to a consultant that serves healthcare organizations. Okay. Well, it's a big market. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Healthcare is a big market, right? Not a small market. And I was asking him like, you know, what does your ideal client look like within healthcare? You know, how big are they? You know, what are the, what's what subvertical are they within healthcare? But more importantly, let's say you're targeting the director of marketing of a healthcare organization, right? What do they believe? What do they value about you know the problem that they're facing, right? How do they believe marketing should be done in healthcare? What values do they bring to their work, right? Those are, you know, and I think the personal stuff is absolutely relevant, but also there's like the business side of things, right? Like how do they view the problem that they're facing? What values do they bring to their work? What meaning do they want to bring into their work? And how can you identify the yellow boots and the red scarf based on that? Because they're looking for partners who share similar values. They may or may not have found them up until now. But if you can demonstrate your core values when it comes to the
1: work, you're going to get their attention hmm It's all about, um, and I'm glad that you brought up the B2B thing. I, most of the people that I work with are B2B, but not b 2 big corporate. And that's the world that I came from. How you do that is by what it is you value. Like you just said, it's the business values. Um, my quota was 300 cold calls a day. When I was selling credit, three hundred a day, and I did that for about five and a half, six years. When I had and went through this change, well, the last three years that I spent in that industry, I made about ten cold calls a month, and it was all down to who I identified in the in the in the industries that I could work with or that I wanted to work with. I worked with everybody from concrete to chemicals to oil and gas to electric to electric supply all of it, right? Small businesses, big businesses. Well, in business to business, the first thing you do is, is identify them set around parameters like, well, for my kind of client, they've got to be in this revenue bracket, right? If I can support a company that does $500 million a year or more, would I get more bang for my buck working for them than somebody that does 15 million a year? Probably, right? Are they easier to get on the phone or harder to get on the phone? All of these core pieces, well, cool. Now you've identified a segment of a marketplace and here's how I prospect. If I'm gonna go after oil and gas companies, I'm gonna get down to the segment of oil and gas. Let's say oil and gas services, field services companies. Well, now I'm gonna pin it down to Texas and then I'm gonna pin it down to Dallas or Houston, right? I'm gonna get to a specific area and I'm gonna go connect with 20 to 50 people that are just like that. Well, if you do that in a specific area, in a specific segment, in companies that are basically the same on paper, you're going to find that Tom at every one of those oil and gas field services company that handles credit is between, and we're like literally 90% of the time, let's just call him Tom. He's going to be between 40 and 55. He makes between 80 and 210 a year. Well, he's one of two guys. He's either a blue-collar or a white-collar guy working in a blue-collar acting like a white-collar world. He either digs the outdoors, drives a pickup truck with 200,000 miles on it, he's been doing this since he was 16, or he went the finance route through through college on the East Coast, and he's a money guy. They are two totally different people. Well, the blue-collar guy working in a white-collar world is going to respond to language that I'm going to speak the white collar guy working in a blue collar world is going to respond to language like you speak and how we convey that is through what they can validate on our social media. If I connect with either one of those guys and they go check out my LinkedIn profile, they're both going to have a reaction and it's going to be a different reaction based on what it is that I'm talking about because their actual wants are different. And everyone that's listening is thinking to themselves that's a lot of detail.
0: <laughs> and if that's what you're thinking, my contention to you, and I think Landon would agree is that's why you're losing deals because you're not thinking at that level of detail.
1: It's funny because I, I use this. Um, we've, we've gone a ways, but I'm digging this conversation. I hope you are too. Absolutely. Um, I I think about it like this. Um, I did the sales thing and it was, I was on my own. I didn't have like, people weren't handing me deals. Like they didn't come in and give you a list of people that were set up and ready to go in the industry that I worked in were hammered by the most awful salespeople on the planet. Like a lot of people think the used car salespeople are bad. Not even close. The industry that I did this in, like it, it was brutal anyways. So I had to like really learn exactly all of the finer points on this, and I liken that to I'm a professional BMX or mountain bike racer, and I'm so good at it that when you ask me how do you get on the bike and like pedal, I can't tell you. I like that's not even in my mind anymore. Papa wheelie, what do you mean, Papa wheelie? You just pop a wheelie. <laughs> if you want to go jump off a thirty foot two story house, like I can show you how to land right. What do you mean? How do I get on a bike and pedal it? It just doesn't make sense. And that's what it comes down to is, is, there's a lot of detailed clarity to understand who are your actual leads because not all leads are equal.
0: Yeah. And that's where great marketing is born to your point, right? Like I tell my clients all the time, great marketing is born, not in your head <laughs> in your client said, right. And, and frankly, that's, the hallmark of my marketing. I don't think my marketing is terribly polished or terribly fancy or this, that, and the other. I'm not the most well-spoken guy in the world, but I know my clients Mm -hmm. and you know your clients and that's what really matters at the end of the day, isn't
1: it? Yep. Yeah. And you, it's the marketing, the way you just explained it is kind of like figuring out who your ideal clients are, right? You've got to guess at it and then you've got to go do it and see what kind of feedback you get. And that's just how this works, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So just had a conversation the other day and somebody was trying to find a market to go into. And they they asked me the question, how do I know that it's the right market? So, well, it won't be just intellectually, you know, hypothesizing and pontificating in your office. Mm -hmm. It's not going to give you the data that you need, right? You actually have to go out and craft the ideal client profile and then go out and have the conversations. And like you said, it's probably six to 12 conversations before you figure out whether this is a good fit. But then beyond that, Probably a couple of engagements before you really figure out whether whether this is a good fit, right? So you got to get out of the
1: office and validate these things in the real world. Yeah, you got to go play with people. And guess what? That's that's what your consumers, that's what the people that are buying your stuff are all looking for. They're actually looking for real connections. That's what we're all looking for. That's why marketing and sales has changed is because we're so connected and everybody's so not the right fit for me, whether it's people wanting to connect about bands I like or cars I like or reptiles or camping or whatever. There's so many people that, uh, and you can tell when people are genuinely trying to connect if they're a fit in your world or not. And that's what it takes is getting your hands dirty. That's
0: super powerful. I want you to think about the listener. I want you to think about when you're scrolling through LinkedIn, you're scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, wherever you play, what makes you stop and pay attention to somebody? And who are the people that you consistently follow? Why are you following them? It's because of what Landon just said, right? There's something about them. There's some kind of connection there. There's some kind of affinity that you have with their values or their perspectives, their points of view or what they stand for. And that's what's drawing you to them. And it's only a matter of time before you work with them. Mm -hmm. Before in some shape or form, you're going to get into a relationship with them. But it begins with, like you said, that connection. We're starving for connection in a world where, you know, the vast majority of communication is meaningless. Mm -hmm. But if somebody says something meaningful that speaks to us, it stands out. And it necessarily can't be meaningful to everybody. It's got to be meaningful to that specific person. Mm -hmm. Love it. So listen, what kind of car do I need to drive to become your client? That's what I really wanted to get to by the end of this.
1: That's awesome. Um, okay. So I'm a, I'm a muscle car guy and I really dig the very late sixties and the very early seventies Mopar. So challengers, chargers, nice. right. um, or I like German sports cars like Porsche and Audi race cars. That's kind of my thing. And really anything four-wheel drive, right? Anything like that'll go off-road and you can go climbing with. Yep. So you're, you're, you're kind of all over the map there. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do. have thought of muscle and, and German sports cars to be together. So, okay, let's. this will be really interesting because this ties in exactly with what we're talking about, about figuring out your ideal client market. My mom's side of the family all liked American muscle cars. So that's what I grew up with. My dad was actually in the car business and he sold Porsche and Audi. Interesting. Those are the two cars that I like, right? Those two combinations kind of formulated what it is that I like in the world of automobiles. Hmm. And you would have never known that had, unless you'd asked me and guess what? I freely want to give you that information because I'm interested in that stuff. I want to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you can figure out what your clients are interested in or your prospects are interested in, they will tell you. That's funny. This morning we had a coaching
0: call and uh, over here at the time of this recording, the Toronto Raptors just made it to the NBA finals and the whole, I mean, Toronto, the whole city is just abuzz with this. So we do a mindset lesson every Monday morning on our coaching call. And today's mindset lesson was what you can learn from the Toronto Raptors recent win to drive your business. And um, most people are really into the sports analogy, right? And I'm not even a big sports guy, but I'm a big mindset guy. And I think there's a ton that we can learn from the world of sports to drive how we think about our businesses. But there's probably a lot of people out there who would have just found the analogy to be dull and dry and boring and just wouldn't have gotten it. But luckily, they're not my clients, right? Because yeah. we, we weed out those kind of people early on. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm Frankly, I'm, I'm learning a lot through this conversation about how my use of personality and authenticity in my own marketing has attracted the right people that I probably took for granted initially. Um, And that's been really eye-opening. I appreciate that. Absolutely. This has been an excellent conversation. I can't wait till we get to have another one. I'm sure it won't be long, sir. But tell me this, how can people look you up and find you if they want to
1: learn more from you? So I run a Facebook group on Facebook, right? Facebook group, on Facebook. Imagine that. Um, it's uh, Gorilla Army Nation getting clients without being salesy. I'm the sales gorilla. There's an entire story behind that. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm starting to actually do the LinkedIn thing. So you can find me find me in one of those two places. And you'll probably find me in the comments
0: on, on Landon's content. So there will be plenty of opportunities to engage and connect with Landon. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five Ps of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge, and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com, and you can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.